You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. talk about the gift of prophecy. Uh, Jamin will take the justice portion of that. I'm not going to exclude that, but I'm going to focus more on the spiritual gift of uh, the prophetic as we find it throughout scripture. And uh, in my breakout session, I'm going to be much more practical. How can you identify the gift? How do you interpret some of these things? And actually, we're going to do an exercise to activate the prophetic gift. So we'll do that uh, this afternoon. So, thank you. Oh, by the way, I'm used to having people, my students, interrupt me. And if you've got a question, comment, you want me to clarify something, or you want to add something to what I'm saying, then just blurt it out. And then I'll stop and we'll have a chat. So, uh, actually, the gift of prophecy... uh, can be found, as I mentioned, let me get this thing going here. It is there? Yeah, I don't know why it's not changing. Anyways, so uh, just a basic definition. What are we talking about when we talk about prophecy? Well, it's, it's pretty simple. God speaks to a person, and that person speaks w- uh, with a purpose, and so... Uh, they can either speak to an individual or to a group, and we'll find in Scripture we, it's uh, prophecy is often given to just an individual person, uh, to a group, even to nations, right? So there's different levels there. But uh, prophets are called, uh, in Hebrew, nabi, which basically called ones. They're called to speak on behalf of God. They're basically mediators, God's spokespersons, right? So uh, that's what they are. They're messengers and... Uh, you find the phrase, the word of the Lord came to me over 350 times in Scripture. And it's a spoken word. It's not a written word. God speaks directly to uh, the prophets and gives them a message to to give to people. Now, when it comes to the prophetic, a lot of people think about foretelling the future. And that is an aspect of the prophetic gift, that uh, prophets get insight about the future and uh, share, it with, uh, share it with others. But also, prophecy, we'll see, has to do with revealing, in the name of this conference, the present or the past. Having insight, um, the word to, it, uh, to unveil what's going on currently. So it can be current speaking or something about the future. Um, and uh, there are tests about whether or not uh, we can trust what a prophet is saying. So I'll get into some of those tests. Now, just so you know, in the Old Testament itself, much of the prophecy that we find, we have, uh, you know, lots of biblical material called the prophets from Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, the major prophets, and then Daniel through Malachi, the minor prophets, Uh, Most of the prophetic future in the Old Testament has already been revealed. It's already happened. Uh, 
about 2% of it is Messianic, that is, the Old Testament prophesied there would be a coming Messiah. That's passed. Uh, about 5% are predicting a new age to come, a Messianic age. That has happened. And there's only about 1% or so that is still to our future. So when we're talking about foretelling, much of what we read in Scripture has already happened. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> but the gift of prophecy itself um, is uh, not focused only on predicting the future. In fact, you probably hear every year somebody predicts something, you know, it's going to happen, the world's going to end, or something. And it doesn't. It's happened time and time and time again throughout history, right? So uh, we're going to look at how uh, the Spirit gives this gift and how people in Scripture actually use the gift uh, to build up the body is really what the purpose uh, of prophecy is, to edify, to comfort, to strengthen and to build up the body and, and, and uh, persons. So uh, when a word is given, uh, as Jamin mentioned in his prayer, uh, a response is expected. So uh, words are given in order to change our situation, to change our thinking, to change our life in some way uh, uh, <coughs> that needs changing. So... Um, much of the prophetic is also uh, what I would call it's conditional. That is, God will speak through a person, but oftentimes it's not going to make something happen. The decision's on, our, uh, on us. So what you find is that, uh, for example, someone, a prophet, will speak to Israel and say, if you don't repent and turn and change your ways, then this is going to happen, right? And so a response is expected, and uh, either people do or don't. And unfortunately, in the Old Testament, most people don't, but there are cases we know when they do change. Like when Jonah goes to Nineveh, he preaches and prophesies, and they actually repent. Now, Jonah's not very happy about that, but the response is what God is, is looking for, right? So if you get a word from God, oftentimes you may not, uh, it's, uh, God is expecting some sort of response from you, right? So as we look through prophecy and the prophets, uh, prophets typically did not create any new theology or any new laws or commands. Um, basically, the Old Testament prophet was what's called a law enforcer, law enforcement, right? Not police, but they are reminding the people of, of God that God has given them a law and he meant for them to obey it, and they're not, and so they're there to call them out. So you find that time and time and time again. So uh, prophets aren't necessarily people who are creating new theology or doctrine, a new revelation of God. They're there to remind the people what they already know. <clears throat> and I find it uh, prophetic how it works, uh, <clears throat> is that uh, most of the time when you share a word with someone, they will tell you God's already been talking to me about that, right? <clears throat> and so I had a student some years ago, <clears throat> uh, before any of these guys, but... Uh, 
she was really fired up and she wanted to serve the Lord and she'd just been on a mission trip and was excited and uh, she was a freshman and she wanted to get out there and serve God and uh, preach the word and win people to Christ and pray for healing for people and um, uh, she, I met with her every week for a semester and she kept disparaging the students at Spring Armor, that they're not on fire, they lack zeal, they're just not into God the way she's into God. They're not experiencing God the way she experienced God. And week after week she was complaining, can't wait to get out of Spring Arbor, the people here suck, you know, all this kind of thing. <clears throat> and so one day, uh, as before I met with her, I usually pray before I meet with students, and I got an insight. So she came in, and uh, she started, uh, you know, uh, ranting and raving about all the, the lack of spiritual seriousness on the campus. And I said, you know, um, if you can't love these people here, why do you think you're going to be able to love people out on the mission field, right? You know, does God have something for you to do here? Why do you have this attitude? And... And yet, you know, you're, you, you want to go love people. Why can't you love people here? And she put her head down and said, you're the fourth person who told me that this week. Right? <laughs> so God usually uh, speaks to you, trying to get our attention uh, more than once. Because I don't know if you're like me, but I'm rather dull and thick-headed and set in my ways and kind of like want to do what I want to do and... So God's got to get my attention sometimes. So prophecy is a way God's getting our attention, but he's probably already doing that in a variety of ways, right? So uh, two major themes in the Old Testament in prophecy is the prophets come and tell them you're worshiping wrong, you're worshiping idols or uh, uh, other gods and goddesses. And so uh, a major theme in Old Testament prophecy is condemning idolatry. There's only one true God, and you're to worship him. It's like the first commandment, right? What, 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 are, what are you doing? So we have a verse in Isaiah, all who make idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are worthless. Those uh, who would speak up for them are blind. They are ignorant to their own shame, who shapes a God and casts an idol which can profit nothing. So prophets are typically right to the point, direct, don't mince words, and get right to it. But another major theme, and this is um, what uh, the afternoon talks are going to be on, about social injustice. So in the same prophet Isaiah, chap chapter 10, it says, Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees, to, to deprive the poor of their rights, and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. So when you read Old Testament prophecy, they're usually calling people out for either idolatry or social injustice. And it seems like that uh, people either get in one camp or the other. They, they go into the charismatic cuckoo camp and talk about prophecy and pastors are nervous because... Prophecy is very easy to abuse. Very easy. You know, the Lord told me to tell you. Right? Oh, really? You know, why didn't he tell me? <clears throat> right? Uh, and then 
there's a social justice side, you know. And as Jamin mentioned, our, our country's very polarized, uh, but uh, God is concerned about not just our own personal spiritual welfare, but the condition of the poor and the powerless and those that don't have rights or rights are being abused. And so uh, you find in scripture, the prophet does both. It, it works in a charismatic way of encouraging and building people up and dreams and visions and such, but also calling on the leaders to make just laws, to uh, not neglect the poor. And so these two things uh, are, are combined within scripture itself. Now, uh, pastors are nervous about prophecy in churches, not only because it's so subjective and can be abused, but also because prophets are weird. They do weird stuff, okay? So they act weird. And I, sorry if you can't see this. I'll, I'll give uh, Jamin my slide and you can, you can get it if you want. But you have Moses hearing directly from God and God writes his word on tablets and the people are worshiping a golden calf and he comes down and in his anger he breaks them, smashes them to pieces because he's so angry and he has to have God rewrite it again. Uh, we see with Elijah an amazing story where he condemns the prophets of Baal has fire come out of sky and, and uh, burn up a fire. And in the next chapter, he's in the desert praying that he would die. He's so depressed. So erratic behavior here. We have Elisha, uh, his uh, uh, <clears throat> student, uh, is prophesying. And a bunch of kids start calling him Baldy. And so he curses them and two bears come and eat the kids kind of weird stuff going on so I don't know uh, why God gives gifts like that to people when they can abuse them we have Isaiah the prophet he's prophesying he's written one of the most quoted books in the New Testament and part of his prophetic ministry was to walk around naked for three years how would you like to support that ministry all right you know, would you uh, feel like God was behind this if uh, someone came and told you, hey, look, I think God's calling me into something new. Yeah, what is it? Well, he wants me to walk around naked in Jackson for about three years, you know. <laughs> oh, really? That sounds like God, All right? So we have that going on. Jeremiah, he tells Jeremiah, okay, go buy a brand new belt. He buys a belt. And he says, now go bury it in the dirt. So he goes and buries it in the dirt. A while later, he says, now go dig it up and put it on. I want to show my people how filthy they are and how ruined they are. So, okay, dirty belt. All right. Ezekiel, if you ever read that book, the guy is on acid, LSD. All these visions, the Holy Spirit's carrying them around from place to place. Uh, that'd be a nice ride. <laughs> and then you have Hosea. So God calls Hosea. What, what's, what is my ministry? Well, I'll tell you what. You know what? The people of Israel are so faithless. They are worshiping other gods and goddesses. 
all over the place. So here's your ministry. I want you to marry the town prostitute, the worst one in town. And she's going to cheat on you and cheat and cheat on you. But you stick with her because I want to show the people I'm faithful when you're faithless. <clears throat> Sound like a ministry you want to be in? <clears throat> That's kind of weird. Then we have Joel. <clears throat> Not that Joel, another Joel. This guy uh, has visions of locust armies devouring everything. So uh, all kinds of weird things, pictures and dreams and things can get really weird. Now Jonah, there's a prophet. The guy doesn't want to do what God wants him to do. Runs away. God's still on his case. And he says, look, you know, the storm's here because I'm running from God. Just throw me overboard. He gets thrown overboard, gets swallowed by a fish. He's in the belly of the fish. And then it barfs him up, and he still doesn't want to do what God, but he does it anyway. So he goes into Nineveh and preaches, and they repent, and he's mad. He's mad that they repented. He's mad that God loves them. He's a bigot. He hates these people. So he sits by a plant, and it withers, and he, the, the story ends with him being mad and wanting to die. Uh, because God uh, scorched his plant and repented. And then we have another prophet, Habakkuk. And if you ever read this small little book, he spends all this time complaining to God. He's a prophet. Do you think of uh, prophecy as complaint? He's complaining. Why in the world are the wicked prospering and the righteous suffering? Over and over and over, he's complaining to God, complaining to God about this because God uh, is not delivering them fast enough all right and then we have Zechariah he gets some weird visions too f flying scrolls he sees a basket he's told to look in the basket there's a woman in the basket and it's like what in the world is going on <clears throat> so there's a lot of weirdness connected to the prophetic in the Bible and it's been my experience that highly gifted prophetic people can be kind of weird too <clears throat> Right. Anybody who uh, gets dreams, I have people tell me dreams they have every night. Uh, that's not how God usually speaks to me through dreams, but they're pretty weird dreams. <clears throat> so a lot of weirdness connected to it. So I think a lot of people stay away from the gift of prophecy just because of its weirdness. Right. But it's there. It's all over. <clears throat> we find that God is a God who loves to speak and so one of the issues in uh, looking at the gift of prophecy, it's, it's simply God speaking to people. And so the question is, in what ways do we find God speaking? And this is helpful because you may not uh, have recognized some of these, but we have only uh, a few times in the Bible where God actually speaks audibly and directly, where people can actually hear, right? And that's very rare in the Bible. We only have it three times in Jesus' ministry an audible voice. This is my son. Listen to him. And uh, at his baptism, his uh, transfiguration, and at the cross. Uh, but basically, there, there are also some weird times God shows up. They're called theophanies. And this is where God shows up as people, angels, and uh, communicate a message to someone like Abraham. He has three visitors. And they tell him, you're going to have a child <clears throat> in your own age. 
And uh, any case, after they leave, Abraham says, I met God face to face. Or you have uh, Jacob wrestling with an angel, and he names the place Peniel, which is the face of God. I met God face to face. But it's, God is hidden. God is uh, in a different, uh, in, in a human form of some sort. But those are called theophanies. Uh, prayer is actually not just talking to God, right? Prayer is basically conversation, and a conversation goes two ways, at least most of the time, unless you have a friend who likes to do all the talking, right? But uh, prayer is actually speaking, but also listening, right? Having God talk back. And it's interesting uh, that there's many examples of this in Scripture. If uh, take Abraham again, and God says, hey, should I keep from Abraham what I'm about to do? I'm going to blow up Sodom and Gomorrah. I should tell him. <clears throat> so he tells Abraham. And as you read it, it's just like we're talking face-to-face -to, -face to a real person. Abraham says, won't the judge of all the earth do what's right? What if there's 50 righteous people there? And God's like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, how about 45? How about 40? You know the story. Whittles them down. But it's back and forth, two-way conversation. Right? And many of us don't think about prayer as being that. We, we sit down, and we got something on our mind or a prayer list, or we're concerned about an issue, and we pray it and get up and go, and there's not even an expectation that maybe God might say something back. Right? We've, we've made prayer one-sided. When actually it's a conversation between two people with speaking and listening on both ends. <clears throat> we even find God using a donkey to talk to Balaam. Balaam is about to curse Israel and God is preventing him. And in any case, uh, Balaam is not listening. And so uh, the donkey he's riding on actually sees that there's an angel with swords about ready to whack him. And so the donkey says, hey, stop! And won't move. And so Balaam starts beating him, and he says, there's an angel of death right there, you idiot! You know? Uh, and so God uses even animals <clears throat> to talk, right? Get his message through. Most of the time, though, um, what we find in Scripture is, is not an audible voice, but that people have an inner hearing. That is, they hear it, but no one else does. <clears throat> right? And so there's a story in uh, Scripture <clears throat> about Samuel, who was a, who was a prophet. Uh, but when he was young, uh, he had to learn to discern the voice of the Lord. So in 1 Samuel 3, uh, we find a story about God calling Abra uh, Samuel. Now, you'd think if God spoke, right, to you, you'd know it's God. It'd be so obvious. That's one of our assumptions. Well, maybe not. Listen to this. So it says, uh, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord uh, under Eli. And one night, Eli, whose eyes had become so weak that he could barely see, he was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord. Uh, where the ark of the Lord was. And then the Lord called Samuel. 
Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you, go back to bed and lie down. You ever babysit for kids, you have kids and they're getting up out of bed all the time? You know, hey, I need a glass of water. All right, so this keeps happening. Eli said, I didn't call you, go lie down. So he went and lies down. Again, the Lord called, Samuel. And he said, here I am, you called me. And Eli says, my son, I didn't call you, but go back to bed and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So a third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you call me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go back and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Then the Lord came and stood there, calling him as other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. <clears throat> I mean, I told you I'm a little thick-headed. Well, so is Samuel. God is speaking to him three times, and he thinks it's a guy in another room. All right? So it's not so obvious when God speaks, uh, but notice how gracious God is. He keeps at it. One, two, three times, four times to get his attention before he realizes, oh, that's God's voice. That's what it sounds like. So it may take some time to uh, discern or attune your ear to the voice of the Lord. But it may sound like a regular voice, not some weird, crazy voice out of the sky. So we have that. We also find God speaks through angels, which the word angel just means messenger. They're constantly sending messages. God speaks through dreams. We've got Joseph in the Old Testament interpreting dreams. And we have Joseph, the father of Jesus, interpreting dreams. Now think about this. What would you say to someone who said, hey, I'm, uh, I'm moving to uh, Saudi Arabia and I'm going to start an uh, evangelistic ministry <clears throat> right downtown. <clears throat> and you say, Whoa, wow, that sounds pretty dangerous. Why would you be doing that? You know, you'd get killed. And he said, well, uh, God told me in a dream <clears throat> to do it. <clears throat> Would that go over well with your parents or your friends or people who know you? Like, you're doing what? But that's exactly what we find in, in the Gospels. Joseph has a dream, and it's revealed to him that Herod wants to kill the child, that, Jesus. And so he tells him, go to Egypt. And that he acts on a dream. He packs up his family and they go to Egypt and stay there for a while. And then after Herod dies, in a dream again, God appears and tells Joseph, it's okay to move back. <clears throat> do you make decisions based on a dream? <laughs> I mean, moving to another country just because uh, you had a dream? But we find that. We find dreams there. We also see visions. <clears throat> The difference between a dream and a vision is typically a dream is while you're sleeping and a vision is while you're awake. And so there's lots of visions uh, in, in Scripture. Daniel has visions. Paul, Peter, even the book of Revelation are visions that we have. 
And basically, God will, it's like um, on your TV set, if you have one of these smart TVs, and you got a box over here, you can watch some other program while there's another program on. You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of what happens in a vision, is that you get a picture in your mind, uh, a, a clip, uh, a, a YouTube clip, right, in your mind of something that, that reveals something to you. So we have Paul actually uh, fasting and praying about where to go in ministry. And uh, in Acts 16, it says Paul had a vision of a Macedonian waving to him, come help us. Right? He had a vision. He could see and tell it was a Macedonian by the, the dress, the kind of clothes he was wearing. That's how you could tell different people. So we have, we have that. Then we actually have God calling prophets to speak for him. So God speaks in that way through other people, right? And that's what we're going to be looking, looking at. But uh, then we have God speaking through his uh, written word, the Old Testament, uh, the law, the prophets and that. But we also see that God speaks through nature. In Psalm 19, uh, we read this. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words, no sound. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. <clears throat> so have you ever had an experience of feeling God's wonder, God's majesty, God's power when you're in the natural world, right? So even through nature, we have uh, the human conscience, okay? You have a little voice in your head like I do that talks to you. Who is that, right, that talks to you? And you can either listen to that voice or not listen to that voice. So one time, uh, when I was a new Christian, I, uh, I became a Christian when I was 20, and I'd only been to church twice up to that point, in both times I was drunk, so I don't know if it counts, but uh, in any case, I became a Christian, and one of my, my friends was a drug dealer, and he had a really nice Corvette Stingray, uh, and he had it all decked out and everything, and he was going off on a drug deal and told me I could use his car for a couple weeks. <clears throat> so in any case... I really liked to drive fast back then. I, had, by that point, had at least five tickets, speeding tickets. And so I got this car, and I am driving really fast. And the whole time, I have a little voice in my head saying, you probably shouldn't be driving like this. And this is dangerous. This is too, you, you, you shouldn't be, this is reckless. And I give people rides. And, so one night, a friend of mine asked me, says, you've got a really good testimony. Why don't you come give, give uh, <clears throat> your testimony in my youth group? So I said, okay, I'll drive. All right. So at this point, I was a student at Spring Arbor. I was parked where the Spring Arbor uh, church is at, the Arbor Church. And I was heading <clears throat> west. And before I got out of Spring Arbor, I was doing 90, 95 miles an hour. <clears throat> Happened to be a police officer right at the corner. <clears throat> who chased me down about a mile away 
and I ended up getting put in jail. So I had to learn the hard way not to listen to that voice in your head. It might just be God telling you to do something, and, uh, but that also tells you, you can also silence that voice, right? You just, you just blow it off, like, you know, ah, I, I, you know, and I don't need to listen to that voice. I'm having fun. So in any case, God speaks through the conscience, and we have Bible references for this. But the most direct way God has spoken to us is through his son, through the incarnation of Jesus. If you want to know what God is like uh, and what he teaches, read the Gospels. Uh, it's Jesus is the exact representation of God's very being, right? So uh, we, we have uh, a direct revelation of God there. Also, God speaks through preaching. <clears throat> Paul calls it the, God chose the foolishness of preaching, right? Preaching the cross to people like me, Jamin, other pastors, people, preaching that God actually speaks through that. And so listen to Jamin next time you're here. Don't, don't plug your ears or, or daydream. And then we, we come finally to the gift of prophecy. It says that God has given a gift to certain people who can hear God's voice and get words of wisdom or words of knowledge and share them with others. That that's a spiritual gift given uh, to the church. Okay? So we're going to be talking about that and looking at that. And we see that Jesus functioned in this gift. That Jesus was called a prophet and he accepted that. Even though he said he's more than a prophet, uh, but he said prophets uh, are not welcome in their hometown. Uh, he said that prophets uh, are, uh, are uh, worthy of any blessing anyone gives them. Uh, we also see an a, uh, episode in John's Gospel where there's a woman at the well. You probably know this story. And she's out there in the daytime. <clears throat> when none of the other women are. So she's probably not welcomed by the other women. <clears throat> but Jesus is there and asks her for, uh, to get him a drink of water. <clears throat> and uh, she said, okay, uh, <clears throat> why are you asking me a Samaritan woman to do that? And Jesus basically says, well, if you knew who I was, uh, you would ask me for some water. <clears throat> I have some living water. When you drink it, it goes... It, it results in eternal life. She's like, wow, where can I get this water? And so Jesus is setting her up, and he says, well, I'll tell you what, go call your husband, come back, and I'll tell you about it. And the woman says, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, yeah, you're not married, and you had five husbands before this. And the woman says, you must be a prophet. <clears throat> but that's an example of Jesus getting a word and insight into a woman's life and using it to draw her to himself. <clears throat> and so we'll see that one of the purposes of prophecy is to be used evangelistically, calling people to Christ. Uh, Jesus also warned that there were false prophets out there. <clears throat> we find them in the Old Testament. There's plenty of prophets. They'll tell you exactly what you want to hear. <clears throat> there are uh, lying prophets in the Old Testament. And we find that in, Jesus warns about them, as, as do 
uh, others, Paul and others, that there are people out there who are giving false prophecies. So you have to be careful. And to do that, you need criteria. What criteria do you use to judge if a word is really from God or not from God? Is this a person just making some crap up or what? And we already know from the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 18, God tells Moses, I'm going to send prophets. And the way you know they're from me is if what they say happens. If it doesn't happen, then they're not from me. So I was concerned uh, this past few years, there were lots of prophets, Christian prophets, prophesying about Donald Trump becoming president again. I don't know if you remember that there's huge groups of prophets, national prophets, prophesying this, and it didn't happen. Joe Biden won the election, right? And they said, no, 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 uh, <clears throat> you know, Donald Trump is, is going to be the next president. And so there's a conspiracy group called uh, QAnon, where a lot of these were passed, and these prophets were speaking into it, and it became January 6th is the day that God is going to reveal Donald Trump as the prophet. And even a guy I respect and know <clears throat> was saying this nationally. <clears throat> and then, of course, what happened on January 6th? <clears throat> well, Joe Biden became the president. So many of these prophets basically, uh, <clears throat> what do you do with that? We take the Old Testament criterion, if someone prophesies something, does it happen or does it not? Many of these prophets sadly still maintain that they were right and they're revising their, their prophecies, right? And uh, at least the guy I know went and online and just says, I was wrong. Forgive me. Uh, I misheard the Lord, right? So someone can hear the Lord be right and then could miss it. That doesn't make him a false prophet. We'll see that prophecy is given in part. It's got to be, it's spoken to humans and we can get things wrong. So that's why they need to be tested. And three times in the New Testament are we told to test the words of prophets, to assess them, to weigh them, right? And so you don't just accept a word gullibly, right? Even if this person's been right in the past, you have to test and discern. So that's why this afternoon we'll be looking at discernment. Now, uh, prophecy, when um, Jesus predicted that the Spirit would come, tells everyone to go into Jerusalem and wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and so as they're there, the Holy Spirit comes down on the church, the praying church, and they go out on the street, and they're speaking in tongues, and people think they're drunk, and what's wrong with this group? And then Peter gets up to preach and explain what's happening. And when he does, he uses the prophet Joel. Uh, and he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on, uh, in those days, and they will prophesy. Right? So there's a sense, Pentecost, uh, Peter's 
using this passage to explain what is happening. That God is pouring out a spirit. And this passage from Joel says, you know, in the Old Testament, there were, there were people uh, who were prophets. But they're just particular people at particular times for a particular purpose. Now in the new age, the messianic age, when the spirit is poured out on everyone, I want all my sons and daughters, the young, the old, right? Men and women, people uh, uh, high and low. And what we find in the New Testament is that uh, the gift of prophecy becomes, according to Paul, uh, one of the highest gifts that, that you can receive. But we find this after Pentecost in the book of Acts, I've got all these places prophecies are given. Jesus prophesies uh, that the Spirit would come and comes. We, we have Stephen, Philip, uh, Ananias, Cornelius, Peter, uh, prophets and Agabus. We, we've got Paul prophesying. We've got uh, Judas and Silas, uh, Paul in command. We've got uh, Ephesian converts, people who just became Christians prophesying. Uh, Philip has four daughters. Uh, prophecy has been poured out, sons and daughters. And you can find all these places from the first chapter almost to the last chapter in Acts. That the prophecy is a mark of the church. That the prophetic gifting is something poured out. And then Paul teaches on it. As I mentioned, Paul prioritizes uh, the gift of prophecy. And there's five spiritual gift lists in the New Testament. And there's only one gift that's mentioned in every single chapter. That's prophecy. Prophecy is mentioned in every single passage. Paul tells us prophecy is for the common good. It's not to build you up or give you an ego or think you're a superior Christian. It's for the common good is why it's being poured out of the church. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual gift given by the Spirit. Uh, Paul uh, also, between talking about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, has a chapter we use at weddings, but it's really about how to function in a spiritual gift. And so Paul says, if you don't do it in love, you're just making noise, right? And so the gift of prophecy, sometimes I've seen prophets and people be very angry and shouting, uh, and uh, I had a student, I used to teach uh, and live in New Jersey, and I was teaching a class, and there was a woman stood up and in a very angry voice said, someone here needs to repent. And I thought, well, first of all, <clears throat> that's true. Everybody, it, like, like that, that wasn't really like specific, right? But you're so angry. And I'm like, what are you so angry about? You know, and uh, so is it being done in love? Uh, Paul tells us that we know in part and prophesy in part. And this is important because you've got to realize that we're limited, that God uses us, but we're screwed up somehow in our thinking, in our behavior, and we could misinterpret what God is saying. And so that's why it needs to be checked. Right. And I can't tell you how many times people have given me prophetic words and it's like they're way off. <laughs> you know, uh, but, you know, even even the best uh, prophets like the, the guy said, he's been right numerous times. But, 
we can get it wrong, right? We can, we can so want something to happen, we can sort of uh, <clears throat> wiggle it in there. And so I'm going to be talking about how to discern that and how God speaks and, and how to, to uh, um, deal with the fact that if you get it wrong. <clears throat> and maybe a good way to give a word so it's a little more comfortable rather than saying, you know, the Lord told me to tell you. How about, hey, you know, I don't know, I was praying for you, thinking about you, and I, this thought popped in my head. What do you think of it? Uh, that's very different than being a big shot, trying to be a prophet and, and arrogant and prideful. Uh, the Lord told me to tell you. You know? I was like, did he? You know? I don't know. I mean, I've given lots of words over the time, and it's so much easier to just say, I don't know if this is God or not, but here's, here's what I'm thinking. And it's for you to discern. You tell me if, if it's from God or not, right? And that way, you're not back to a corner, right, of, like, embarrassment. Like, I said something, and now, oh, boy, uh, it's wrong. So, so we're limited. Paul tells us twice to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. And at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, and the beginning of 1 Corinthians 14, it says, eagerly desire it. So uh, part of the practical side is our, how do you do that? How do you eagerly desire it? I'm going to offer some practices you can do uh, to enhance our ability to hear God's voice. And by practicing those, it's eagerly desiring. Prophecies to edify the church. But in 1 Corinthians 14.3, Paul says, this is what prophecy for. To strengthen, edify, comfort, and build up a person or a church. So if you're not doing that with your words, then you're not prophesying. <clears throat> right? Even when you have to speak a word of judgment, you have to do it with love, right? But also, not to condemn a person, but to build them up. You have to be able to say it in such a way that it invites them, re repelling them, right? Who, who likes to be told, you know, you're a sinner, <clears throat> you know, okay. Where are we going with this? You know, um, so so part of the developing the pro prophetic gifting is learning how to give words to people uh, in in a loving way, in a caring way, even if they it's a hard word, right, to hear. Now, Paul, uh, because prophecies can be abused in Thessalonians, Paul says, don't treat proper uh, prophecies with contempt. So if you've had any experience with, with people prophesying over you and they were wrong or judgy or unloving, I mean, it's, it's really easy to get turned off to charismatic gifts when they're done that way, right? So Paul is like, don't treat them with contempt. You know, it's a good gift, but gifts can be abused, right? Gifts can be abused. So what does Paul say? He says this in... in uh, the next verse, test them all, keep what's good, reject what's harmful. So that implies that when you, you know, this idea that we're limited, that sometimes we can get it wrong, we have to test it, we have to weigh it, we have to decide, is that right? And, and then it's like, keep what's good, toss out what's harmful, right? 
So um, in any case, we're given quite a bit of advice on that. All right, next, uh, one, one of these, uh, what does it get to prophecy for? Well, the Bible speaks to us, every single Christian, right? doesn't matter who you are. <clears throat> the gift of prophecy is to speak to specific people for a specific reason and a specific purpose. And so we have these verses. This is from Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he, that is God, will direct your paths. Well, how is God going to direct my path? Prophetic gift, speaking to me. Personally. He's directing my path. That, that's, the psalmist is his path. And then Jamin's path, and your path, your path, your path. God wants to speak and guide us. Why? Because he didn't, the Bible's general for every Christian, prophecy is to guide and direct you specifically in matters that aren't in the Bible, like where you should live, where you should work, <clears throat> what you should do about this problem, what you should do uh, <clears throat> about uh, 100,000 different things. And then we have this in Psalms. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Isn't that a beautiful verse? How's he going to do that? Through prophetic speaking. God will guide and direct. Any speaking is prophetic from God to us. So he's going to do that. Now Jesus said this. The sheep listen to my voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. <clears throat> He also, my sheep know my voice. <clears throat> What's his voice sound like? No. <clears throat> it's very beautiful. <clears throat> right? He calls them by name. <clears throat> See how specific that is? So the Bible is God's word for all Christians. Prophetic gifting is to specific people at specific times for specific reasons. Right? So I'll give you uh, uh, one of my stories. So, so... Before I uh, functioned at all in the prophetic gift, I really, I had a woman in my, I was a pastor, I had a woman in my church <clears throat> who when she prayed, she knew all kinds of things about people that, that she couldn't know. So one, I was doing a Bible study, <clears throat> probably about this many people there, and a guy I just led to the Lord came in and he was upset and wanted to talk, so I went over and he's, he's telling me, Oh, man, I got in a fight with my wife. Uh, she's not a Christian, and I'm giving money to the church, and she thinks this is a cult, and giving money, and, we get, da, da, and we're fighting, and I don't know what to do. Uh, okay, we've got to go to Bible study, and then I'll come back. We'll, we'll talk about it. So we have this Bible study. At the end, I break everybody up in groups of three and say, just pray for one another. And so it was this guy, Glenn, me, and this woman, Sue. And Sue goes first, and she says, Glenn, you need to love your wife. Don't give me money. Don't cost. I got all the money. I don't need it. Just go home, make peace with your wife. And God understands it's okay if you're not giving the money. How in the world, he's looking at it, did she know that? Because we were out where no one could hear us talk. And so, so I started thinking, wow, does God really do that? You know? I mean, that's pretty cool. I, would, I mean, it saved me a lot of time as a pastor if I got information ahead of time, right? So I'm like, I started praying, hey, God, 
You know, I want to use, I, oh, I want to use this gift of pro- prophetic like Sue's doing it. Like, not, I, di- I didn't want to speak to the nation. or I thought that is so pastorally helpful to get insight, right? Because like Glenn was, what, what's the result? How could you, God, God knows my problem, right? And he told me to calm down. <laughs> right? So I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. <clears throat> So I haven't gotten any words like that at all, but one day I'm driving to my work. I was a professor out in New Jersey too. It took me much longer to get to work because I lived between New York and Philadelphia. It took me an hour and a half. Someplace. And I'd be stuck in a traffic jam. And so I'm in this traffic jam and then I get a picture, a vision, my first vision. I see this picture and it's of me and my oldest son Steve when he was a little bit younger. And my son Steve is quite a character. He's quite uh, mouthy. I don't know if you had kids that uh, talk back, always doing something. He's pestering his younger brother all the time. And during this uh, uh, time period, I was working on my doctoral degree. I'm teaching. I'm working. Uh, I've got two kids, young kids, driving me nuts, really, really tired, and uh, a spouse who's in, in a debilitating uh, depression, and I was walking on eggshells all the time. Just, and one day my son was, was doing something irritating me on purpose, and the vision was I pinned him against the wall, and I was yelling at him. All right? So I, I get, that was my YouTube video from God. All right? I saw that, it actually happened, and then I hear the most loving voice say, I never discipline you that way. You want to hear God's voice? Do you? (laughs) Man, boom. It's like I started crying immediately. Right? And I went home and I responded. I sat my son down. I asked him to forgive me. I said, I need to discipline you, but I got an angry edge to my discipline. And that's wrong. And so I'm sorry. <clears throat> and so I had to work on that. But I was in such a state that I couldn't see that I'd gotten in this angry, walking around, <clears throat> frustrated state. And my first vision was God reprimanding me. With love, but reprimanding me. <laughs> it was so loving. I just cried. So in any case, God speaks specifically to situations. Right? and directs it right to the heart. Now, uh, some people are nervous that God speaks outside the Bible, right? And what I would say is that the Bible itself tells us God speaks outside the Bible, all right? So calm down, all right? You know, because some people it's like, oh, no, you can't, you know, God already revealed everything we need to know, right? Well, did I need to know? I'm, I'm like, on edge and needed to chill out and apologize. No, the Bible didn't tell me to do that. God did through a little video in my head, right? Does God direct you, tell you who to marry? Is that in the Bible? God tell you what kind of job, where to move to, what to do next? You know, there's so many things in our lives we need, the Bible does not specifically tell us. It tells us how to live, how to follow Jesus. It tells us about God. It tells us what happened to humanity. It tells us how God seeks us. 
and wants to redeem us and restore us and to fellowship with him, tells us he's coming again. But he doesn't tell me how fast to drive in a car. Right? He was trying to personally and specifically. Right? So, so there's many areas of life where, where it is. But it, it's not against scripture. Right? So, uh, so the Bible itself tells us God speaks outside scripture. Time and time again. In fact, the gift of prophecy is that place. And the, so one of the principles, criterion, when it comes to judging whether or not something's from God or not, one of the first alerts ought to be, does this contradict scripture? If someone tells you to do something, does it contradict scripture? Now, unfortunately, twice in my ministry I've had both times, a woman, different, different people, different times, tell me that God was, the, uh, the actually got prophesied over and that they were to leave their husband. <clears throat> All right? And they're dead serious. <clears throat> that God told me through a prophet that, and I, and they were going to, they actually both acted on it. <clears throat> Does that sound like God? So one of the criterion is, does it conflict with Scripture? But that's different than saying Scripture doesn't speak to it. It doesn't conflict with Scripture because Scripture doesn't speak to it. So one of the things, the criterion is, you know, is this clearly a violation of what we find in Scripture? Right? Now, having said that, I have one other story, and then I'll stop here. So I had some friends where I live now. And they asked me one late one night to come over there. Uh, they had an issue. And as I'm driving over there, <clears throat> I get a flash in my mind that their daughter's there, the husband has been physically abusive, and that he is engaging in homosexual practices. I get this in a flash in my mind. It took me less than five minutes to drive to the house. So I walk in, and... I said, is, they introduced me, I said, um, did you leave your husband? She said, yes. I said, was he abusive to you? See, I want to check out my prophecies. I don't, I don't want to tell them. I want to see if they're true. Yeah. I didn't say anything about the, homo, the homosexual uh, affairs he was having. But what they wanted to talk to me about was the woman's uh, pastor told her it is wrong, divorce is wrong, you can't leave your husband even if he's abusing you. And I came and I felt led to say, I don't think so. I think God, this pastor just put judgment on her because it's in the Bible. He hates divorce. But really, he wants her to get beat and actually one of the kids abused as well. So God gave me a word to help her because she's feeling guilty and she didn't know what to do and they were wondering, is this okay for a Christian to divorce under these circumstances? But before she could say it, God gave me a word for it. So it came across as, I, I didn't know why I was going over there, to tell you the truth. So I concluded, I think God's confirming that you've made the right choice. 
So, all right, I'm going to stop there. You have any questions, comments, whatever? I'll take a couple and then we'll break. <clears throat>